welcome to the It's a Movement podcast. I'm Paula, aka Queen P. I'm Jane, but this Jane ain't plain. And I'm the Sissieko Lola. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back to the It's a Movement podcast. This week we'll be discussing how to diversify your income through content creation. We've got a very special guest with us this week. We've got Mary joining us. Mary, do you want to give a brief introduction to our listeners? Yeah, sure thing. Thanks, Lola. Um, so hi everyone. My name is Mary. By day I'm kind of a management consultant in the financial services industry. I also run a female millennial network called the Now You're Talking Network. And I'm also a careers blogger, so really exciting. Um, and I'm really excited to chat to you guys about content creation and how you can use it to diversify your income. Thank you, Mary. Um, so I just wanted to first start off by going around and each of us talking about uh, experience we've had through diversifying our income, whether it's content creation or even something different, but ideally specifically through content creation. Um, I'll start with you, Mary, since you just spoke. Sure. Um, so I think for me, the reason why I'm really passionate about content creation is because I think with all the technology tools that we have available to us, it's such a it's such a great way to make an income with really low barriers to entry. And it's quite easy to start a YouTube channel or an Instagram page. And I think it's a really democratized way to make money. Um, and as we know, COVID-19 has taught us that kind of having one stream of income is pretty dangerous. It keeps you quite uh, susceptible to economic shocks. So I think for me, in terms of how I've started to monetize uh, content creation, it's really been about, um, obviously been doing careers blogging um, and off the back of that, not only being paid for the blogging that I've been doing for myself, and through other companies but also building my brand and getting public speaking opportunities at events so um that has been a great way to kind of monetize content creation for me thank you um, for sharing that i think for me i oh, do you know what i wouldn't say i've diversified my income through content creation because it's something that i've really started doing quite recently and i think i've not been super consistent with it um, but the ways in which I've kind of diversified my income is by setting up businesses. And I feel like that's definitely a more time consuming way of diversifying income. Um, but that's probably the most experience I have with it. So obviously, like it's amusement with my footwear company, things like that. But I would like to know how to um, actually monetize the, the content that I put out. So through that, I mean, like my Instagram content. Um, Yeah, I definitely agree with that because I'd say um, with this movement, particularly the content that we put out, our Making Moves wall, this podcast, our blog, um, we've not necessarily made income from it. So it'd be good to know how to get that springboard onto the next step. Do you have any tips for that, Mary, considering that you've done it already? Yeah, it's a really good point. I think part of it is understanding your strengths. Um, So what is it in terms of content creation that you love? So are you someone that likes to create videos and be on camera? Or are you someone that likes your voice and likes talking and maybe a podcast would be better? Or do you love writing and then maybe blogging? So I think there's definitely like 
starting with why and understanding why you want to create content what topic will it be on and what medium suits you best um and I think yeah so I would probably say start off there um and I would also probably say it's better to go narrow rather than wide I think so many people who want to get started in content creation um try and get onto like 10 different platforms they start a podcast and a YouTube channel and all these things and I think it's good to kind of recycle the content, but it's not good to stretch yourself too thin. And that's how often people get very exhausted. Um, and also, I think, finally, I would just say set yourself clear objectives. Um, do you want to, if you want to monetize, what is the time frame you're working against? Is it this year? Is it three years time? Is it 10 years time? Because um, I think that should focus on how much time you devote to your content creation. And also what type of content you should make as well. Mm. So my question would be, generally, how long does it take to actually be able to monetize your content? I think it really depends on what your content is and which platform you're using. Um, mm. and obviously, how much time you have to dedicate to, uh, to your content creation. So, um, yeah, I guess what's worth noticing is that you, uh, unless you're someone with a brand already, like a celebrity, it obviously takes a lot longer because part, part of what you're doing is kind of awareness raising, marketing about who you are mm -hmm. um, before you can even monetize. So obviously the upper hand that celebrities have is that they have the network that are following already. So all they need to do is come up with the products or service. Whereas a lot of us, we have to build the brand, build, let everyone shout about who we are and then try and monetize it. And to shout about who you are um, and to stand out, you really have to gain the trust of your audience. I'm sure you guys might have seen there's been influencers with millions of followers, but when they've tried to sell T-shirts or even anything, um, they haven't sold any or they've sold very few. And that's because they were trying to build an audience, but they weren't really focusing on building trust, but they're building an audience quickly and not really understanding who their demographic audience is and how invested that person is in their content. And I do feel like that kind of um, plays into the whole um, engagement thing because I actually work in social media marketing and, and one thing that we kind of talk about a lot, especially with um, businesses, is that um, we shouldn't really focus so much on the vanity metrics. Like, it's all well and good if you've got a million followers, but if you post a picture and you only get 10 likes, like, there's no engagement there. So I think that kind of place into that whole you know 10 million followers and not being able to sell a t-shirt because if you can't engage your audience um with a post how are you going to engage with that your product yeah mm. exactly i i definitely agree with that but then i think that also ties into the less glamorous part of content creation when it becomes too heavily focused on likes clicks mm. and all the rest of it and even psychologically yeah. we know that, um, what the drawbacks of that are and I think um, Instagram apparently have removed likes now, but I don't know how true that is. Not true. <laughs> oh, no. don't know where well, I heard that have, from. Depending, <laughs> on, depending on the account that you have, if you have a non-business profile, you won't see likes. But if you have a business or profile, you will. Ah, uh, okay. So a content creator would then, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You do need to be tracking those metrics, but then I know that also as well can have a very negative impacts when you're just so focused on metrics and numbers and likes yeah but you know what yeah i wouldn't even just say that engagement is likes because sometimes it could be a thing where you know someone 
comment like okay so for my personal brand instagram that i created like just at the start of lockdown i've only got 200 or so followers on there but my main thing is that the content i'm putting that out there is adding value so for me um i can tell that people are engaged by you know if they're actually commenting and um, stuff that is related to the post that i put out or if they're maybe replying to my stories so even if a post has less likes, but I can see in the comment section or somebody DMs me that, oh, like, you know, this is really motivating me, then I kind of prefer that metric. But I guess maybe it's just me. I know everyone's different. Mm. And I know if you then focus on the income aspect of it, I think the income, doesn't it depend on the number of likes on YouTube and on Instagram? Yeah, it depends on the partnership you have with whoever's paying you um mm. i think also marketers are and companies are wising up that as you mentioned those balancing metrics aren't always a great measure of success so sometimes now they're looking at things like okay from that post how many people actually purchased that item and then you can get a commission on that um rather than saying rather than saying oh just because you got ten thousand likes we're going to pay you a certain amount of money mm. what advice would you give to somebody that is listening to this and they're like okay i want to make content that i can monetize what are the steps to actually doing that yeah i think that's such a good question and i think for me there's like i guess a couple of mental shifts that i would encourage people to take because i think when you're thinking going from making that mental shift from consumer to creator um, you kind of do have to change your mindset a bit. So I think it's, for example, um, I think there's an element of not caring what other people think. Mm-hmm. And content creators have to be quite bold about what they put out. Um, you can't be nervous about hitting that publish button for your blog or your YouTube post. Um, I think, yeah, content creation comes with an element of exposing yourself and your thoughts. Um, and are you ready for that? And you should think about that from the offset so is your podcast or is your content creation going to have your real name in it or do you want to use a pseudonym so I think um it's those kind of questions that people should ask themselves um and also just being prepared to be their authentic selves I think when we're talking about how people create following I think authenticity creates value so um how are you making sure that you're authentic in terms of what you're demonstrating to your followers um yeah so that you're so that you're really showcasing what you're truly about and that you're not kind of it's not unclear what your message is about and again your why Mm. I definitely think authenticity is key and I think that's so key in basically all elements of life I can't really think of a time in life where being authentic won't get you further um so Mm. that's definitely my view on that you want to say something on that Oh, no, you basically took it out of my mouth, authenticity, the importance of it. Because I think sometimes as well, people can try and form into a character. Mm. And I think that actually comes across even as just someone looking at the content. Agreed. Yeah. I think, especially within, I don't know, maybe I'm saying especially within the Black community, um, online community, because that's basically the community that I go <laughs> towards when I'm online. But it does seem sometimes there's a box, um, so you're either in this category or that category or that mm-hmm. category, or you're in this click or that click or that click. So yeah, authenticity and just being unique is something that definitely draws me to a content creator. Mm, I actually agree with that, because I think recently, 
I was just trying to find um, more black female content creators that were doing stuff like um, the Breaks, the Break Social, um, which is basically like um, a platform where she shares financial advice and just advice on basically leveling up in life. I really struggled to find other people. Um, I don't know your, your thoughts on that. Do you feel like, oh, this is a question for you now. What are your thoughts on like the diversity within um, black content creation in particular? I think that's such a great question and something I've observed as well. I think um, sometimes people want to be what they can already see. So um, I think that a if we look at like the beauty landscape that's very saturated, um, I'm sure you wouldn't have an issue if you tried to find a black beauty blogger or black travel blogger. Um, but when we talk about maybe like personal development and leveling up, there's a, a big gap in the market. So I think uh, people should be aware of that and think about that when they're starting their content creation journey. How can they create a USB? What would you say to somebody who, because I've actually had people tell me this scenario themselves, they want to get out there, they want to start their channel, and they don't necessarily want to go down the stereotypical route of a beauty hair channel. But when they do follow what they really want to do, which might be something to do with environmental issues or politics, they're not really getting the clicks, they're not getting the engagement. So it's almost as if you're putting in all this effort for the content creation. Because let's be honest, content creation, it's not an easy job. I think a lot of people see the back end of it and they think, oh, it looks so easy. But even just this podcast that we put up, when I start editing it and having to go through all the steps to get it up, it is a, it's a journey, it's a process. Yeah. So if somebody's putting in all that work and they're not seeing any really tangible results, because there are those sectors which, let's face it, are more popular. A lot of people seem to, when they go on YouTube, they do want to know about hair and beauty. What advice would you give them? I think that's such a great point, but I think it really has to come down to why you're getting involved in this. And I think if you're doing it for those vanity metrics, it won't, you, you will find it hard to continue to motivate yourself. But if you're doing it because you really love what you're preaching about and you want to promote that theme, uh, regardless of the success, then I think you might have more luck. I think when people are looking and setting themselves really ambitious targets, that pressure shows out in their content as well because they're producing content that is quite clickbaity. But mm. if people are producing content that they love and that they, even if two people watch it, including their mum and themselves, <laughs> then they're happy. I think you just you see that authenticity come across as you mm. mentioned. It's true, and I personally feel that like with content creation, you kind of have to be in it for the long haul. Like as much as you know, there are options um, to monetize, and there are ways in which you can generate income I do think you need to be in it long term because I was even watching um Jackie Aina recently and um, she's obviously a popular black um YouTuber and I didn't realize because I've only recently started watching her because I never actually used to watch her um and she was saying how she did it like for five good years without getting any kind of like financial gain and I, I think that's what mm. people don't really see. Like sometimes they think, oh, this YouTuber's doing this. Let me just start and I'll start making money and getting these big sponsorship deals. But actually, those people have put years and years into training their craft, essentially. Mm, yeah, that's so true. And I think that applies to so many different areas, not just content creation. A lot of people just see the big end result and then I don't see all the graph that went in beforehand a lot of celebrities say that as well that are actresses and singers a lot of them they just have that one sudden hit which 
blows and then everyone knows them, but they've been putting in the work. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I guess my next question would be like, so what are the ways in which you can monetize your content? If you're at a point now, you've been consistent, you're starting to see growth, you know, you're reaching your audience, what are the options for actually monetizing what you're doing? I think collaboration is really key as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I think working with other people who have a similar interest or maybe even completely different interests and blending it together. But I think collaboration is really key as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the same. Like collaboration means you can harness each other's audiences and that can save your time as well. But I also think there is a big piece around not overproduction of content. Like you can mm-hmm. take one concept and kind of snip it up into little bits and uh, build more content out of that. So I think it's really, there's, yeah, it's basically almost like a research project. Like, what do you want to share about? What is the unique standpoint or thought perspective that you're going to bring to that conversation? Mm-hmm. And what is the best medium that you should, you can use to share that? Because at the end of the day, uh, posting on Twitter is a form of content creation. Because I've seen some threads on Twitter that are just so powerful. And you can tell someone's really spent a lot of time putting that together. So mm-hmm. again, it's asking yourself, what is the me- what do I want to share? What is my unique perspective, and which medium does this best fit on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think content creators should take breaks as well? Because sometimes um, people that I follow watch um, on YouTube, they say, "Oh, I've been away for X amount of um, time. I just needed um, a break, a time to refresh." But I'm not going to lie, sometimes when they've been gone for so long, I'm on to the next thing. I think humans, we're naturally quite fickle. We just move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. So I don't know, is having a break to refresh the mind for content creation good or bad? Because even with this movement, we try not to do that and have a break because once we lose that flow, it's hard to then pick mm. up again. Mm. I think it's a really good point. Personally, I think breaks are needed just as in anything that we do in live it's good to take a break and get a new perspective and just relax and also by taking a break you get to yeah rejuvenate your mind and restore your but i feel Mm. i would question uh content creators who have to take breaks quite frequently because that would tell me that you're trying to overexert yourself in some way and that something's not flowing naturally um I think the best content creators in some extent are quite free flowing with their information. They're not, Mm -hmm. it's not coming, it's not feeling forced. So I think if you're starting to feel like it's feeling forced, then maybe you want to pivot your area and what you speak about Mm -hmm. and that you're naturally not as inquisitive. Um, And I've done that myself. Like right now I have one blog that is around careers and personal development, but I probably agree. And that is because I've been to different points and I felt like, actually I'm not that passionate about this topic anymore and it's okay to kind of stop mm. this mm. I think yeah it's, it's good as well to be able to be honest with yourself if something's no longer the passion then yeah. redefine rather than trying to keep forcing it because I think that comes across to viewers mm-hmm. and readers and listeners <laughs> <laughs> no, that is so true. agreed um, I was going to say I know we're talking about content creation here but I think in general as black people finance is something that we're just starting to talk about a lot more so what other ways can people potentially diversify their income because although content creation is a nice quick and fairly simple way to um start diversifying your income there are also other options um yeah oh it's not always quick though is it <laughs> um, that's the thing. yeah 
and a lot of as you mentioned as you were saying like you've been doing more in the like setting up businesses obviously that requires a lot of more maybe capital to start with um and a lot more research whereas uh again the blessing with content creation is quite democratized it's quite low barriers to entry you could start mm-hmm. a youtube channel tonight like there isn't it's not too difficult in that space but i completely agree and that's why i always talk about kind of at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is have different streams of income and the average millionaire has at least seven streams of income. So we're not saying that content creation is the only, is the be all and end all, but thinking about how it can be one source of income um, alongside your salary, alongside maybe some rental income, alongside some dividends, alongside some capital gains. Um, I think it's having that conversation as well. How are we, is it's used a lot on social media, but truly trying to think about how you're setting yourself up for multiple streams of income. Mm. So, do you think it's too risky for a content creator to just make that snap decision of right? I'm actually going to make this the full time. This is no longer a side hustle. This is what I'm doing day in day out. That's yeah, so interesting. I think for me, it always comes back mm. to the individual. Um, I guess they say like everyone has their price and uh, usually with content creation, everyone has that amount of money that they make where they're like, actually, I could do this full time now. And a lot of content creators speak about that. Um, But I think some people are absolutely fine with doing content creation on the side. And I think we should welcome that. And actually, I think I've seen that help people's creativity. I know for me, like I would never want to do blogging full time because it takes a lot of emotional energy for me and actually the work that I do inspires mm-hmm. the blogs that I write. Um, but I think it's being very aware of what your end goals are. And if your end goal is to go make this your full-time job, then have very clear metrics in terms of what you want to get out of it. And when you'll know, okay, this is the time I can mm-hmm. do this full-time. But I'm interested in your guys' perspective. Well, well, the thing is we want moving forward as a movement to literally become a full-time thing that we're all doing. Um, so that would mean doing our content creation mm. for this movement, planning our events, everything full time. So we do have that as an ultimate target. But it was interesting, actually, that you said um, that what you do day to day for work is actually part of what drives your topics for your blog, because I would say it's the same for me. A lot of the things that I talk about is driven by my experiences within the law and working as someone in the corporate world as a black female. So, yeah, I hadn't, hadn't actually thought of it in that way, that once I do stop working in the law sector probably will drive a bit for me in terms of writing about that so yeah that is the ultimate aim but mm. I think it's nice actually when you've got a bit of both I think that's actually the best scenario yeah. it's strange because of how I am as a person I love content creation you go full time sometimes that can drive your personality and I mean your um content and stuff but I think the reason everyone thinks oh I need to go full time in this side hustle is because that's kind of like the narrative that is pushed it's like you know side hustle to full-time job like it's that it seems like mm-hmm. the end goal always has to be to make your side hustle your full-time thing but it actually doesn't and I think I say this just because I know me personally that is what I want to do but it's not something that has to be done and I think sometimes people's side hustles are actually um just what they're passionate about and just because they're mm-hmm. passionate about it doesn't mean they have to do it all the time um and another point, just to add to that, um, I remember I was listening to a podcast episode and 
one of the girls on the podcast said how she had a real passion for writing, but then when she went full time as a writer, it it like sucked the passion out of it for her. So I think sometimes you just need to know like what is your end goal. Just because everyone else is going full time with their side hustle doesn't mean you have to too. Mm. It goes back to that why. Because sometimes it is just an outlet, like you said, like maybe you know your career blog merit is somewhere where you just want to vent about all the stuff that happens at work, and it's like a release for you. It's not necessarily something that you set out to make money, but making money from it is just kind of like a byproduct of you doing it. It's not your intention to make money, so I guess yeah, like you guys have said, it comes down to your why, like. Are you actually creating this thing to make it your full-time thing? Or is it just an outlet? Is it just a passion project? Is it just something you want to do to help people? You know, like it doesn't always have to be a full-time end goal. Yeah, definitely. But I think because like you said, there is this narrative. It's like, um, oh, nine to five. No, no, no. You need to be working on um, your own thing. You need to be making your side hustle the main hustle. Yeah, I think a lot of our generation have heard that narrative time and time again. <laughs> Honestly, it's very, it's very glamorized. Mm. I think um, because when they're going to start, it's not easy. Like it's it's so stressful running your business um, or yeah, doing content creation. It's yeah, there's a reason why I, I, they call I guess the like standard jobs like routine and just rising up the ladder because it mm-hmm. is easier. It's and also the thing is, if everyone just ran their business full time then no one would be able to actually work for the businesses so everyone's got different <laughs> in life do you know what I mean some people are I don't know they're called to be entrepreneurs they're called to do like have their own businesses some people are called to be like entrepreneurs I think that's another thing where it's like you know you're in an organization but you have um, an entrepreneurial approach to how you work or you know, that's just sometimes what people are called to do. And I think this is something that I've definitely started to realise a bit more, is that just because I want to run my businesses full-time and I want to, like, you know, create this thing, it doesn't mean that that is everyone's idea of success. Everyone's idea is so different. So mm. some people, their success is literally to just get a, a steady job and to, you know, get married and to have kids, and that is their idea of success, and that's it. And the thing is, that's okay because that's what success is for them. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I'm talking about more. Completely agree. I do, yeah. I, I definitely do agree with that. And it sounds nice to hear it because you don't hear that often. I think a lot of people start started to feel guilty about their own personal choices, which is for their life, no one else's, because of this narrative that's been pushed out there. Exactly. But... I think entrepreneurship looks great when they're winning awards and flying around the world for pictures and stuff but it doesn't look great when <laughs> people are no one's seeing when they're working till 2 a.m 3 a.m every night and they're trying to deal with regulators or hmrc like there's some very unglamorous side so of entrepreneurship. and i actually think that a lot of entrepreneurship is not glamorous like when you actually think about it what are the glamorous parts okay like you have the freedom to you know do your own thing and you're building your own kind of empire but I think when you are in that place it's not all going to be looking glamorous to you and the reason I say that is because I feel like when you have a goal the milestone always changes 
So even when you, I don't know, like let's say you want to run a business that's a million pound business. Although, yeah, of course you'll be happy when you hit that goal. But the moment you hit that goal, you're going to be thinking, well, what's the next goal? So it's not going to feel glamorous when you're not actually at your goal, which is always changing. Yeah, and I think that applies to content creation as well. Okay. You can start off with, oh, you know, I'm so small. I just love to one day have at least 100 followers. Once you get that, then you're thinking, oh, I want 500. You get that. And it's like, okay, 1,000. So, yeah, the ball mark is always moving. Mm-hmm. And there's very unglamorous size to content creation as well. There's the comments and the cyberbullying that can happen as well. So I think you have to have a level of thick skin as well. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people don't necessarily prepare for that and to be honest how do you even prepare for that because people can just be so unnecessarily mean mm-hmm. it's so true mm. but I think this is where it comes in because Mary you said you need to get to a point where you're like you don't care what people think about you and I think when you're at that point that's when hopefully you'll be able to handle those kind of comments because um yeah I agree I do think with content creation some people can be unnecessarily mean I think Sometimes it's a matter of just because you think it doesn't mean you need to write it in a comment. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. just if you think something, it's not nice, just leave it. Just go your way and leave it at that. Like, especially, I, I just think we're speaking from um, the mindset of people that are reasonable and level-headed because obviously <laughs> <laughs> that comments kind of things are not because... I, I, whenever I see rude comments on people's posts, I just think, well, what's the point of that? Like, what exactly are you trying to achieve by seeing that comment? So, yeah, and and I think also, even with, you know, if something I see, I don't necessarily agree with it, just don't follow it. Don't be the person that is following them to be negative. I just don't get it. But, again... There's a lot of weirdness online. Like the time you've taken out to watch this content creator that you suppose you don't like, and then actually post the comment, it's just unnecessary. No, it's really, it's really, really I guess that's just how people are sometimes. Mm, especially online when they, you can't be identified. So, do you feel like as black people, there is more that we should be doing to diversify our incomes? Because Again, I think finance is one of those topics that we don't commonly talk about. So although we might know someone that owns a house, we don't really get that education necessarily on how to diversify or even why to diversify your income. Mm. I definitely think this particular generation is doing very well. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely a way to go. There's improvement that can always be made, but... I think this generation is doing really well in terms of content creation, diversifying their income. But I think there is still that lack of just having open conversation. I don't know why. And I think sometimes you can think, oh, um, this person's going to steal this, this person's going to steal that. Or some people as well don't share things because Mm. they think, oh, people are going to think I'm bragging. So I think that we still need to get to a point where everyone just has open, transparent discussion. But (laughs) these things are happening, but we just need a space where it's it's spoken about. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I definitely agree as well. And I think at the end of the day, I think a lot of Black people are really creative and creative comes really naturally. We're a cult- we come from cultures of storytelling. And I think there's even more we can do to tap into that potential. And I think more often than not, I'm speaking to people who have so many amazing ideas but are just afraid to start. And I think that's the root cause that we want to address that so many people are just nervous about kind of starting because they're like oh someone else is doing it or they feel nervous about sharing their story 
Um, I totally agree with that, especially that whole fear of um, like they're just they're, they're scared to start. They don't know where to start. And I think I guess my advice to those people is just I know it's not really that helpful, but just start. And I think that's only the that's the only way to overcome the fear of starting is to actually start. And I know that sounds really silly to say, but the reason I say that is because with my first business, the footwear company, I had that idea for like a good three, four years before I actually started it. And I did all the research, did everything I needed to do before I started. But I learned the most once I started. Like since once I started it, that's when I realized, oh, actually, no, I need to do things like this. Actually, I need to create a plan here. So I feel like sometimes you just need to say effort and just go for it and just start because you're really not going to learn unless you do it. That's what I think. And I know it's easier said than done, but I definitely feel like that's something that we need to do more. We need to just overcome the fear of like what people think of us because at the end of the day, I feel like most of the time, A, a lot of people aren't even thinking about us anyway. The people that we're thinking about about themselves. Honestly, (laughs) that's one. And number two, even if they are thinking about you and they're watching you, let them see you progress. Let them see you doing your thing. Do you know what I mean? So I just feel like those are the two things. And I think I was going to say something on what you said, Lola, but I kind of forgot now what it was. Um, oh, man. Oh, yeah. What I, come back to you. Yeah, I just remember more openness about the conversations. I do agree. I think we do need to be really open about, like, just even things like if you know someone that's bought a house, be open about it. Like, what process did you go through? How much did you save? Like, I want to buy a house too. What do I need to do? Like, what are the steps that I need to take? Do you know what I mean? I just feel like when it comes to money, sometimes we're so hush-hush, like, oh, I don't want to tell anyone that I spent this on the house or I saved this. It's like, well, just tell people so they can learn. Mm, yeah. It comes back to share, being willing to share and support each other but a lot of these controversial topics are still stigmas so whether that's yeah talking about money or yeah it's just so sad because we we could be like yeah 10x better if we just fostered a society especially amongst black people of sharing and having those uncomfortable conversations about marriage or money or friendships or relationships I i think that also then kind of goes back to so the person who's experienced it they might actually be willing to share it but they don't even know that you want it want you they, mm. that you want it to be shared because a lot of the time we have this mindset of if i'm going through something quite momentous in life i'm just getting engaged i'm about to buy a new house you don't want to talk to people about it mm. there's this mindset of let things happen and don't keep talking about it just let it happen first before you start sharing it with everyone so i think mm. that's also the, yeah. the other um, side of the coin you're not talking about it so they don't know you're going through it they don't know that you could um, benefit from them sharing it with you yeah and i wish we could use social media to do more of that kind of what i would call like um, public mm. learning like showcasing what we're learning in public and as we go rather than i see so many content creators like just announce things like oh i got this partnership with google and it's like but we didn't see the 10 other emails that you sent that didn't work and that you've been doing this for 15 years like everyone just wants to come out with their successes and it's like oh yeah i'm doing this but actually what else what have you been doing in the background that we didn't see and that's why people beat themselves up about progress because everyone's i like real I kind of feel like, do you know what, though? It is a bit of a balance because I get what you mean about um, 
not sharing certain things at the time of going through it. But I am a big, big advocate of sharing definitely once you've been through it. Because things like, for example, when I bought my house, I actually didn't tell anyone until like I had signed everything and everything had gone through. And the reason I didn't tell anyone is because when you buy a house, it's just so unsure until the point you get the keys of the, like it can literally just pull, pull through. So that's literally why I didn't tell anyone. And so I can get why, you know, in certain situations, people don't want to say as they're going through it. But the moment I bought the house, obviously I was telling back my friends and stuff like that. And, and then I was just more open about what I went through, how I did it and things like that. Because it's not something that I'm trying to hide. But I think sometimes you need to just understand the right time at which to share. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's unique to everybody. Mm, that's true. Yeah, I think yeah. that is fair. We, we can have maybe a discussion about kind of resources for content creation because I think that's one thing like even anchor for podcasts mm. and stuff like that yeah, okay, yeah let's do that to close uh, I, I oh. think also like there's one called headliner which is I don't know if you guys use it but it's really good for podcasting because obviously mm. when you're recording a podcast it's audio um, but headline le- headliner lets you promote audio and blogs in like a video format so I've seen a lot of people using it recently you can basically easily create videos from audio content and then share it across social media. Um, I think everyone's using like Unsplash right now, which is like to get high quality images that are under creative comments. So you don't need to like reference where you got them from. Um, Anchor, as we mentioned, for kind of creating and hosting and monetizing your podcast. Um, and then I would say like other tools that I use, like Grammarly is really good for bloggers. Like, it checks your grammar and spelling and you can even use it in your day job as well um and especially when you're producing a lot of content you want to make sure the grammar's on point um and then i think also i use google trends quite a lot um if i need inspiration for topics google trends is really good because it's showcasing what is trending you can look at it from a city to a country to a global perspective and that's when you want to create content that's more like trendy. Oh, wow, thank you. I didn't know about that one. I'll definitely check yeah. that out. I'll definitely have a look at Google Trends too. Because sometimes like we're just like um writer's block. And it, when all three of us are writer's block, it's like, well, who's gonna write this <laughs> So but um I think a few other ones that I like, so sometimes for free images I use Pixabay. Um and then there's oh what I was gonna say Canva oh my gosh I love Canva for content creating like Canva literally oh everything goodness. I make on Canva now um what else I think if you're looking for an affordable editing software there's one that I've used called Filmora which is actually really cheap and it's quite straightforward because I'm not really um a hardcore video editor and it's really simple for me um and then obviously like the main social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of that jazz. Thank you for that, girls. Um, I had one that I thought was really helpful. Um, it's basically dedicated to black illustrations because a lot of the times when I write the blogs and I want to add a picture, it's really difficult to find a picture specifically oh, yes. of a black person. You know, I don't know why it's so difficult. So I found this amazing um, platform where it's got all black illustrations and I'm trying to find the name of it, but I'm struggling. Oh, that's actually. I, thought I had it down somewhere. Because you're right, there isn't enough black illustrations, and even like black stock photos. I feel like I'm, there's a few groups I've been in where people have mentioned that they're setting up like a black stock image thingy. But I do think we need more black stock images because sometimes it's like 
you're looking for a doctor because if my event is about do black lives matter to the nhs and i need a black doctor or a black patient then it's such a struggle to find that kind of image and it just seems crazy because it's so basic isn't it but it really is oh wow i've just found it it's, it's so um literally it says what it does on the tin it's called blackillustrations.com oh. <laughs> but yeah it's amazing i love it because it's literally got everything you need on there Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's so good. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, thanks for joining, Mary. We hope to have you on another podcast soon. Till the next podcast. I've been Lola. I've been Paula. Oh, oh Mary, this is um something that we do um on the end of each podcast. <laughs> but you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Paula started off. It's quite cheesy, but it's kind of stuck now. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Thanks, everyone. Bye.